From Sacramento, the Bishop's Radio Hour with Bob Dunning on Relevant Radio. Focusing on today's issues in the context of gospel values. Now, here's Bob. That's me. Welcome to you on this beautiful day the Lord has made. Appreciate you all being with us on the Bishop's Hour as we launch our 24th year on the air here in the Diocese of Sacramento. And thanks to all the people who have helped us along the way, including you, the listeners especially. And we're pleased to welcome in Molly Sheehan, who is the Associate Director for Life and Family Advocacy at the California Catholic Conference, which represents all the bishops of the state of California. Molly, good day to you. Good to be here, Bob. Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks so much for uh, joining us. I know you've got a, a full plate um, here in the state of California. Um, what what all does uh, uh, Associate Director for Life and Family Advocacy, what does that all involve? Yeah, so my portfolio of issues covers everything from the beginning of life to end of life, human trafficking, foster care, um, you know, trying to find bills that will uh, help families thrive in the state of California. Um, so really trying to see how do we support the most vulnerable, especially women, children, and families. It seems as if the, the conference representing the bishops here in California and really throughout the country, the USCCB as well, a real emphasis, a re-emphasis, if you will, on the family. Absolutely. You know, um, we've got um, our, our, our bishops have really just emphasized to us and told us, you know, their, their focus is on, you know, how do we, um, you know, encourage um and promote strong marriages, how do we encourage and promote the family um, so that people, you know, can, can really thrive as families in California and, and, and be successful and, um, you know, uh, see this as a place where they can, they can raise their kids, where they can, um, you know, be able to, to find a home and, and, and really grow, have good education, um, and, and just build a life here. So uh, beyond good jobs and good schools, it, it involves a lot more than that, though, doesn't it? It, it, it involves everything, you know, yeah. I mean, um, it's, you know, everything from like, you know, are you able to have a roof over your head and put food on the table, which is what a lot of our families are just trying to figure out, right. to, you know, how, how do you actually thrive? What does thriving look like in, in our state? Yeah, and I mean, California, and I don't I don't know all the reasons, but it's the first time we've actually seen a significant migration of people out of the state. Yeah, you know, I think um, that, you're, you're seeing some of that, and so, you know, for but there's 39, almost 40 million people that live here. <laughs> Still and, here, you know, yeah. that's not changing anytime soon. So, um, ultimately, you know, most people are going to, to continue to live here and, and raise their families here, and so um, our, our bishops have emphasized, how do we make it possible for these families to be able to, um, to grow and thrive in the communities where they live? Uh, and the life issues all the way from abortion to uh, uh, natural death. Yes, so, you know, beginning of life to end of life. So womb to tomb, um, like you said, that includes abortion, that includes assisted suicide. Um, and, and then, you know, trying to see along the way, along the lifespan, how, how do we help families? So um, how do we help mothers? How do we help fathers? How do we help um, them as they raise their children? What would make it possible for them to be able to, to choose life in California? You know, um, what would make it possible for them to, to take time off to care or their their aging loved one, you know what what would it look like for us to build a culture of life in California and, and um, you know really embrace um, all of the people that live here? Uh, it seems like uh, you you hear the the stories of why people have abortions and uh, um, California, of course, with Prop One and 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 it seems like some some states went one way after Dobbs and California just you know went hyperspeed the other way, uh, but there's still a lot of work that we can do that would certainly lower the rate of abortion in California, I would think. Absolutely. You know, I mean, I, I think the, the reality is that, you know, we know abortion isn't going anywhere in California. Um, but what is possible here is promoting life-affirming bills. So, for example, last year we worked on um, supporting homeless pregnant women mm -hmm. um, through our, our CalWORKs program to ensure that, that those homeless families are prioritized um, in addition to families with, with children who are already born. Um, you know, we've, we've talked about how do we help um, incarcerated families, so moms and dads who are in prison and eventually will be, um, you know, reunited with their family and, and raising their kids again. How do we make sure that those families have strong bonds um, during incarceration so they can return and, um, you know, really, you know, become 
excellent moms and dads and, and, and grow into that role. Um, so, you know, trying to expand visiting hours for, for those families. You know, thing, things that um, are creative and, and that are very doable and possible in our state. Is there pushback on, on with, with prison, uh, you know, visitation and things like that? I know we have programs like the Exodus Project here in Diocese Sacramento. We have Get on the Bus, which is a, I, I don't know if it's a national program, but certainly a statewide program started by a Catholic nun here in, in Los Angeles, I believe. Um, those, those can help, but, but in the big picture, it takes a lot of that. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, it's, it's all one step at a time. The, the bill I was mentioning about expanded visiting hours um, ultimately was, was vetoed last year. But I think there's, because of, of funding constraints, mm-hmm. and, you know, we're definitely going to be facing that this year. The, the state is facing a $25 billion deficit. Um, so, you know, there's going to be some cuts in, in the budget. And yet at the same time, there's a lot of funding in the budget that does go towards families. So how do we encourage that to to really help families to thrive. And so we're looking at, at everything, you know, from, you know, how do we make it so that it makes it easier for, for um, you know, folks to be able to get married. You know, we've been advocating for removing some of those marriage penalties, especially on um, public assistance for, for a long time. You know, the conference has advocated for that for, um, honestly, for decades. And, you know, trying to say how do we encourage people to take advantage of the earned income tax credit and the child tax credit. And, um, you know, a lot of these programs that we do have in the state um, but that folks might not be aware of. Or, you know, how do we promote more um, paid family leave so that people can take time off, mm-hmm. uh, moms and dads can take time off when, when the, their new baby is born, or, um, you know, families can take time off when, when their loved one is, is sick or aging and they're able to take care of them. Give a little more detail on on the marriage penalty, what you mean by that. Yeah, so, for example, right now, um, you know, there, there are sometimes um, penalties when you – um, you, you may be able to receive a certain amount of funds um, through through disability or through other um, other programs. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you get married, you often receive a lesser sum, and so that discourages people who want to get married um, but might have a disability or might sure. you know have rely on those funds to be able to receive those. Um, something that we were encouraging this year was there's an assets test for um, for CalWORKs that says if you um, have more than ten thousand. If you have more than two thousand dollars worth of, of things, um, with the exception of a house, you you know you're not able to be eligible for CalWORKs, and so it and it, it um, makes it very difficult for people to be able to save um, money and you know mm-hmm. uh, save up in the bank and be able to to you know have those savings and invest them. So you know being able to remove that that penalty, which isn't on other public assistance, and move or move that up to you know ten thousand dollars. Um, or remove that, it allows people to be able to have savings, you know, maybe even to own a car um, so that they can get to and from work and still receive that assistance so that they can grow out of poverty instead of being kept in the cycle of poverty um, by that, that limit of, of their savings account. Yeah, it reminds me of the, the limits on, uh, you know, people that are on disability with Social Security, and uh, they have that earnings limit, which is quite low, you know, and it it it. it discourages them from taking anything more than part-time work or advancing in a profession that maybe they're, they're actually would thrive at. Exactly. And so the goal is to say, you know, how do we make sure that people are able to, to thrive in the places where they live and work? And part of that, part of that is saying, you know, a, a person with a disability should be able to, to continue to have work. They should be able to have savings. Um, and part of lifting someone out of poverty or, or helping them achieve self-sufficiency and, and a sustainable life is, is ensuring that they can have that. Um, you know, that they can purchase a car and be able to use that as a tool or that they can, um, you know, have have, uh, have have savings that they can use and invest. So um, yeah, that's, that's something that we're looking at. You know, and the legislative session is just starting, and so, um, you know, a lot of the bills that we worked on last year, we're, we're now watching to see what, what comes up this year and what we can support that, that would help families thrive. We're with Molly Sheehan from the California Catholic Conference, Associate Director for Life and Family Advocacy. Uh, Molly, you're going to be involved in an event, uh, be the keynote of dealing with human trafficking. Yes. Um, so I am going to be speaking for the um, Diocese of Sacramento. Um, it, it's a topic that you know I've, I've worked on in a number uh, of places you know, around the country and um, something that's just really important for us to, to be aware of. 
Yeah, yeah. Explain it a little bit. What what do we mean by human trafficking? And uh, it, it it strikes me as one of those horrors that is going on uh, right before our eyes, but somehow under the radar. Right. So it's interesting, you know, I think there's um, human trafficking, the easiest way to define it is um, someone being forced to work without pay um, or perform commercial sex acts and they're unable to walk away. Um, the, the, the federal definition and the state definition says um, it's anyone who is engaged in, um, uh, who is forced to, forced to labor or um, forced to engage in commercial sex acts by means of force, fraud, or coercion. Um, so, you know, a lot of the time, this is, this is not someone necessarily who's been, who's been kidnapped or, um, you know, what you might see on TV. Rather, this is often someone who has just been coerced into doing this or tricked into doing this. Mm-hmm. They think that they're, um, you know, they think, um, in the case of sex trafficking, that, you know, this is someone who loves them and this is, you know, maybe it's their, their um, appearing as their boyfriend and then, um, you know, continue to push them into things that they were not expecting they would be doing and, um, and then uh, continuing to, to force them into that lifestyle. Um, that on the one hand, or with forced labor, just you know, saying you promises of a job, promises of um, you know good pay, and and you know, uh, then being tricked into not being able to have those things, maybe having your documents removed from you, um, and just not being able to leave. And so it's it, you know, it's a it's a it's a very uh, real thing that is taking place in Sacramento um, and around the country. It is very common. Um, something else that's interesting is the majority of trafficking victims in the United States are. Uh, U.S. citizens, 75% in California are U.S. citizens. Mm. Um, and so a lot of the time this is someone that's especially vulnerable. So um, about 60% of um, uh, trafficked youth come from the foster care system. And so it's important to be aware of that, that this is often someone who um, does not have someone else looking out for them. They may not have you know the same kind of family support that others might. And so they often are looking for, for that love elsewhere. They're looking for that, um, that, that stability elsewhere. And um, it, it puts them at a special risk. I, that was my, my next question was about uh, are many of these people from, from other places, but apparently not. Uh, well, some of them are, but, but they're three quarters are citizens. That's amazing. So are you talking about with foster care, people that are currently in foster care, like, like, like teenagers or even younger? Correct. So a lot of the time what, what we find is that um, young people who are either in the foster care system, who are in the juvenile justice system, um, who have you know, experienced some kind of family breakdown um, and are now trying to you know, figure out the next step of their lives, a lot of the time these young people, they may run away from their foster home or they may be involved with um, you know, the justice system. And that, that makes them especially vulnerable to traffickers, um, whether for labor trafficking, for sex trafficking, or for both. Um, so that's something for us, for, important for us to be aware of, right, that, um, you know, we might have an idea of, of someone who would be vulnerable, um, but oftentimes it's, it's the same people that um, have already, uh, you know, experienced a lot of loss in their life. And so you're, you're trying to say, how do you help this person to, um, especially these young people, how do you help them to, to find, you know, support and a stable family that, that is able to help them to thrive and grow um, and not have this the same level of vulnerability that, that puts them at risk of trafficking. Is Does that indicate problems as well with the foster care system, or is it just that these are kids that have had a, a, a real rough go and and they happen to be in foster care because of that and they're also vulnerable to the other, or is there problems with the foster care system itself? I, you know, I, I think um, what you said put it very well, that a lot of the time this is someone that's just, they've had a rough time, um, they, you know, I will say, I mean, we, we can all say that there are problems in the foster care system, sure. but at the same time, uh, the people that work in the foster care system are often just really incredible people, um, but they're just often overextended. So from the social workers to, um, you know, the foster families, um, you know, a lot of these foster families are just, you know, not sure how to, uh, how to help these kids or if this kid runs away because of their experience and they're just not not up for yet another foster home, you know, mm-hmm. um, that, that can be really difficult. So um, it, it's often something to, to be aware of. And then um, there are special programs that are really trying to focus on on these kids that are at special risk in the foster care system to, to help them out. But um, that's something for us to be aware of to say, you know, uh, one way of preventing human trafficking is being involved as foster parents um, for Catholics early um, so that we can you know, intervene in the lives of these kids and, and help them to find stability early on 
um, and that can prevent a lot of a lot of struggles for them in the future, whether that's trafficking, um, homelessness, um, involvement in the justice system. Um, you know, a lot of the time these kids end up with um, unfortunate outcomes, not because they're, um, you know, not because they're bad kids, but because they just had a, had a lot of things happen. And so, um, helping them to be able to, um, you know, heal and and move forward in their lives uh, is, is something very important for us to to think about. You maybe you don't know the answer to this question, but. It, the kids that are in the foster care system, what percentage of those are, are actually placed with families and which are maybe in group homes or some other institutional type setting? Yeah. So the vast majority of children these days are placed with families. Mm-hmm. Um, it, there's been a lot of reform at the federal level and at the state level to say kids belong in families. And mm-hmm. so um, the majority of kids in foster care are placed with a foster family um, that has been specially trained to, you know, serve uh, in that capacity. Um, there is a shortage of foster families in Sacramento and around the, the state and around the country. Um, a lot, some of the kids are not able to be placed in a family immediately because there isn't a home available for them. So, um, but the majority are placed in, in families, and, and that's a really good um move that the, that the foster care system has made to say kids belong in families and that family is where you get nurtured to your full potential. So that, that's a really encouraging thing that, that we're seeing. Is the, the problem specific to Sacramento in terms of human trafficking, is it primarily um, in, involved in the you know, sex industry, I guess, for want of a better word, um, or is it in other occupations? So uh, trafficking takes place in a few different places, right? Um, sex trafficking can, um, the, the, the major places you can find it is, you know, in um, the, a number of commercial sex industry locations, so strip, strip uh, clubs and mm-hmm. um, that kind of thing, but also, you know, street prostitution or online um, prostitution and, and um, you know, specifically when it comes to sex trafficking. So those are the places where you might find um People who who have been who have been trafficked. Uh, when it comes to labor trafficking, that's often in um, agriculture, restaurant industry, hotel industry, um, street peddling, and um, uh, a few other industries. But yeah, it, um, statistically, we don't know how many people are um, involved in trafficking in you know the Sacramento area. Um, but we do see these cases come up. Um, you know, you'll see uh, occasionally that there will be. Um, cases arriving through, you know, the, the police and the sex sheriffs. And is it, is it usually youth or is it, I mean, is, is there kind of an upper age limit on it? You know, so I, and what, what the professionals will tell you is that anyone can be a victim of human trafficking, but there are some people that have particular vulnerabilities. And so uh, oftentimes um, it, the, uh, a traffic person will, will begin uh, um, at, a, at a younger age, so oftentimes teenagers um, and then, you know, they may, they may be um, stuck in the life for a long time, um, so as an adult. Um, oftentimes, you know, it'll be uh, a young person who is trafficked, so um, a minor, and then they'll, they'll continue to be trafficked um, in, into adulthood. Um, and so, so that's a reality, um, unfortunately. Do those who have been trafficked for a long time sometimes end up being traffickers themselves? Um, so sometimes they'll be um, induced into participating, um, mm-hmm. but usually no. Usually uh, um, the, the trafficker is someone at the top who makes a lot of money off of, um, you know, uh, exploiting people. And so, um, so that's actually something that's very interesting is, unfortunately, sometimes someone who um, has been forced into um, a situation of trafficking may actually um, be, be forced to, to assist in um, recruiting and bringing in other mm-hmm. uh, other people as well, which is which is a really tragic situation. Um, there there is a process um, here in the state of California called a vacatur, which says if you've been a victim of human trafficking um, for for nonviolent crimes, um, you can you can have those crimes um, vacated from your record or removed from your record because um, you know let's say you were forced to steal a car during your trafficking mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. you know you had something on your driving record or, um, you know, you were forced to, to commit petty theft, um, you know, that was not something that you were actively able to, you know, choose to do during your time of, of being trafficked. And so um, it's a good thing that we have these laws on the books that say you can have that removed from your record um, because you were a victim. It wasn't really uh, something that you were you were able to, to choose to do. 
if you can prove that that that's the case, which right, might which be is often very difficult. Yeah, I would I would say sometimes be very difficult. So the, the event you're going to be involved in, part of Into the Mix, uh, January is, is Human Trafficking Prevention Month, um, primarily for young adults, 20 and, and 30, uh, January 18, uh, 7 to 8.30 at Good Shepherd Parish, which is on uh, 9539 Racket Court in Elk Grove. You can uh, sign up by uh, uh, contacting uh, Anthony Ta, and that's A-T-A at SCD. Dot org. Tell us uh, just a little bit of what you know of that event and, and what your approach will be. Yeah, so, you know, um, January is the um, uh, Human Trafficking Awareness and Prevention Month, mm-hmm. um, and it leads into February 8th is actually the um, International Day of Prayer and Awareness Against Trafficking, um, led by the Vatican and religious sisters around the world. Um, it's also the Feast of St. Josephine Bakhista, um, mm. who is the patron saint of um, trafficking survivors and, um, uh, you know, so I, I will be, you know, kind of relaying a little bit about her story. I'll be talking about the realities of trafficking, um, some of the myths about trafficking. And then I have seven things that people can actually do to fight human trafficking in their communities. Um, sometimes we think that this is a, a nameless, faceless evil and, you know, something that's uh, difficult for us to comprehend and something that is too far removed for us to be able to do anything about. And um, the opposite is the case. There are, there are some really simple actions that each person can take um, that will that really have an impact, uh, you know, just things that any person can do to, to become more aware of what trafficking looks like, of um, how they can help to prevent it in their community, um, and how they can um, assist in the eradication of, of human trafficking and slavery in our world. Wow, I'm going to have to put January 18 on my calendar because I can't think of any. And, uh, you know, I mean, I, I, I suppose if I tried real hard, I might come up with something that would hit, but can you give us a hint of one or two of those? Yeah, so... You know, I would say the, the first thing that you can do is, you know, consider all right, what are what are um, who are people that are vulnerable in your community that you can serve? Mm-hmm. Um, because if you are assisting people who are vulnerable, um, you are helping to to protect them and aid them and, and help them to um, recover. And that helps mm-hmm. to prevent human trafficking, um, helps to prevent those sure. vulnerabilities that make someone a target of uh, traffickers. Um, another thing you can do is download the Traffic Cam app. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an app that police use. Um, and all you have to do is the next time you go on vacation, you take a photo of your hotel room, and police can use that information to, to match um, with, uh, you know, ads that, that have been used for uh, trafficking victims, and they're often able to, to use that to um, for, for prosecution of traffickers, oh, wow. for identifying victims. And all you have to do is take a photo of your hotel room. So that's another thing that is very simple that you can do that, that makes a huge difference. Wow. Well. Again, it's January 18, 7 to 8.30 at Good Shepherd Parish. Um, no charge. And Molly will be the uh, uh, keynote speaker there, primarily for young adults 20 and 30, but anyone is invited as part of Into the Mix, uh, the Fight for Freedom. So, Molly, uh, greatly appreciate all the great work you do. Uh, anything I didn't ask you that you wanted to uh, mention for our listeners about any, any of uh, the issues you're working on? Yeah, I think my, my focus is just to, to emphasize that there's always hope. You know, whether we're talking about um, the, the statistics on foster care, we see that um, more kids are being placed in families. We see that that makes a huge difference in these kids' lives, and, and that is something that we um, we celebrate and we want to encourage. Uh, and when it comes to, you know, fighting human trafficking, um, you know, in, rather than becoming discouraged that, that there is this um, – you know, scourge on our community, we can look at this and say, all right, this is an opportunity for us to, to speak up and to um, be a voice for the voiceless and to, to, to defend the most vulnerable. So um, I'm just always encouraged when we get to bring these, these topics to, to folks' attention. Very good. Well, Molly, thanks for all the great work you do, and thanks for uh, uh, taking the time to join us, and I hope 2023 is a prosperous year for you and your family and uh, for everybody there at the conference. Thank you. You as well. Thanks so much, Molly. That's uh, Molly Sheehan, who is the uh, Associate Director for Life and Family Advocacy at the California Catholic Conference, which represents all the bishops throughout all the dioceses of uh, California. World Marriage Day, speaking of uh, strengthening our families, uh, World Marriage Day 2023. This is just circle the date time of Saturday, February 11, next month, 9.30 a.m. Holy Mass with Bishop Soto. He never misses it, and uh, it all takes place at Good Shepherd Catholic Church, 9539 Racket Court 
in Elk Grove. You're invited to join as they honor marriage and salute the beauty of faithfulness, sacrifice, and joy in married life. It's a live-streamed Mass. There will be a special blessing for sacramentally married couples and an opportunity for them to renew their marital commitment. After Holy Mass, there will be an opportunity to receive a blessing and a picture with Bishop Soto, and they, they will hand out special certificates at the reception. Bring your kids, bring your families, bring your aunts and uncles and cousins and grandparents, whoever it is. Bring your grandkids if you're grandparents. And they will... The special milestones honoring couples, uh, 10, 25, 35, 40, 45, 50, 50 plus one year. I think the record for our uh, World Marriage Day is 73 years. That is really something. For uh, They'd like you to sign up ahead of time just so they have a head count. There's no charge. Uh, call the Office of Family and Faith Formation at 916 Zero one three three. That's nine one six seven three three zero one thirty three, or uh, go to the uh, Office of Family and Faith Formation here at the Diocese of Sacramento, and, and, and you can find just about everything by going to scd.org, which is Sacramento Catholic Diocese website. Scd.org. We'll take a quick break. Back with more on the Bishop's Hour right after this. This portion of the Bishop's Hour is brought to you by a grant from the St. Vincent de Paul Society. Drop by and shop at the thrift store, a beautiful, beautiful thrift store at 2275 Watt Avenue. Open Mondays through Saturdays from 10 to 8 and Sundays from 11 to 6. They also accept donations at the store, donations of furniture, appliances, clothing, books, everyday household items. Your donations help to fund the many projects of the St. Vincent de Paul Society throughout the Diocese of Sacramento. Do such wonderful, wonderful work, and the thrift store is uh, one of the the ways they uh, raise the funds to help people throughout the diocese, and also uh, many of their clients are able to access the uh, thrift store for uh, items that they need. You can uh, give them a call. They will come pick it up as well, but you can uh, give them a call. They're at 916-972-1212. And remember, again, the thrift store is open uh, seven days a week at 2275 Watt Avenue right here in Sacramento. Well, Bishop Soto refers to Christ the King Retreat Center as the jewel of the diocese, and indeed it is. What a beautiful oasis it is. It's located in Citrus Heights, uh, right in the hustle and bustle of the city, and you feel like you're getting away from it all when you uh, turn off the main road and just uh, uh, come into Christ the King Passionist Retreat Center. Christ the King has served Northern California and the Diocese of Sacramento for over 60 years through parish weekend retreats, individual spiritual direction, and a variety of other programs. For information on all the programs that they offer, including residential programs, give them a call. They're at 916-725-4720, or you can visit them at 6520 Van Maren Lane in Citrusites. And we certainly thank uh, the St. Vincent de Paul Society and Christ the King Passionist Retreat Center for their fine and longstanding support of the Bishop's Hour. This is Yasmin Castellanos from the Catholic School Department, and you're listening to the Bishop's Hour with Bob Dunning. Thank you, Yasmin, for all the great work you do here in our great Catholic Schools Department. We, we had the great honor a, a couple of weeks ago of uh, interviewing some of the uh, kids who had won the uh, speech contest, 7th and 8th graders, and uh, it was just a delight to have them all here in the studio and have them uh, give give their speech once again to to our audience. It's just uh, you know, let you know that uh, our kids in our great Catholic schools are in very good hands. And speaking of that, we're pleased to welcome in Marcy Green, principal of St. Elizabeth Ann Seton, uh, the great uh, elementary school in the city of Elk Grove. Uh, Marcy, good to hear your voice. Thank you for that, Bob. Um, what a great intro. Yasmin is one of our parents who is my mission effectiveness coordinator. So yes. what a wonderful thing that is. And two of our students had the pleasure of meeting with you for the speech contest. Yes. So, yes. They were. Well, thanks for coming in. They're so delightful. I mean, it's like mm-hmm. I I told my wife before the before coming over to do the show here at the studio. I said, I just I, so look forward to this show. Uh, it was, uh, sometimes it's speech contest. Sometimes it's the academic decathlon. I just mm-hmm. so look forward to meeting these kids and uh, 
and seeing how, you know, how obviously how bright they are and friendly and happy and, and all that good stuff, but they're just really decent, nice kids, you know, and it's, it's just a joy. And so insightful. If you yeah. had a chance to hear their speeches, yes, um, just wonderful use of language, and uh, I, I, I'm in awe because I am much more of a math person. <laughs> so <laughs> it's it's funny because uh, you know we had we had the six winners and or, or six you know I think anybody that even entered that is a winner for sure, but. Mm-hmm. We, and they all, they all, well, I was going to say they all read it. They didn't read it. They did it from memory. Not a single mm-hmm. one of them even looked at a note. But the thing that I said to, to all of them after they were done was they all had the same prompt, which was about, you know, Saint to be uh, Carlo uh, mm-hmm. Acutis uh, from, from Italy, who's the late. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, they had the same prompt, a quote from him. And yet their their speeches were entirely different. There wasn't one thing between any of those speeches that was similar. They took completely different tacks. One kid mm-hmm. likened it to fishing, and another kid likened it to playing the piano. And it was just, it was remarkable. The contest is always um, a wonderful event to attend. I would definitely, if, if you are enjoying talking to the top five, you should be in the room mm. when you're listening to to the group of kids. And um, when I was at the school department, had the privilege of being able to moderate one of the, the mm-hmm. rooms. And, oh, just such talent. Well, I'm going to have to put that on my calendar. Because, yes. Yeah. It was, it was always a, in November. Always, always in, in November. November. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. I think it was at my at, home parish this year. It is. It's always at St. James. Oh, it's always so at St. James. Okay. You're right there. Yes. I have no excuses. No excuses. <laughs> that, that's, you make, you're making it very convenient for me. <laughs> that's great. And I must say that I'm very proud of our two students, Michaela and Luke, and yes. very proud of our teacher, Mrs. Gutierrez, who prepares them so well. Yeah, and, and uh, she came as well. Uh, I got to meet her, and, and she was on the air and explained what coaching was all about. And, uh, yeah, that was, it was just a, it was a wonderful day. So, so what's happening at St. Elizabeth Ann Seton as we head into the new year? Well, we are deep planning into Catholic Schools Week, as you might mm-hmm. imagine. Um, we just had uh, another planning session with the teachers um, at our school, we tend to separate the days. Um, we, every day is a day of celebration. We call it a day of celebration. So we have one day celebrating vocations and service, and that's typically our leadership kids who um, uh, help the other kids in school, motivate them to figure out how they are going to um, to do, be of service for that day. And each of each of the classes picks something that they're going to do to serve the school in this mm-hmm. particular instance mm-hmm. or the church itself. So um, cleaning um, and then um, sending something. Um, so, for instance, one of our classes is going to clean the church, and then they're going to write Valentine's to vets uh, because then the timing would be right to have those done and be able to send those out. Um, it happens to be our 100th day of school as well, so that's always a big celebration. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um so, so that's one thing, and then we we're invite we always invite um, obviously our priests, and we're lucky to have we're a ministry of three parishes, as you know, um, the three parishes in Elk Grove. Um, but this year, um, we're focusing on bringing back some of our past priests who mm-hmm. uh, pastors who have left, um, and having them come visit because many are retired, and um, we love to have them come and meet the kids. Oh, that's uh, that's, just, that's wonderful. It's it's just. Uh, it's it's amazing, you know. When I when I grew up in uh, the diocese of Sacramento in, in Davis, my hometown, uh, you know, the term Irish priest was redundant, and <laughs> and, and and now, uh, you know, we don't we don't get any priests from from Ireland anymore, but we still have a number of the priests that were around when I was a kid, and there, many of them have reached retirement age and. Uh, um, welcome to to come back to you know we we love to see them. I don't know if we've talked about this before, but we were at St. Joseph's in Clarksburg for mm-hmm. 20 years with right. Father Dan Madigan. Right. 
definitely. Father Dan, you know, whether it's the... Uh, I, I, was, I was talking to Blake Young from the Sacramento Food Bank mm-hmm. the other day, and, of course, Father Dan was the, the founder with a group of people at, at uh, Immaculate Conception there in Oak Park. And uh, then I mm-hmm. went to the Bishop Gagos Maternity Home Dinner in September, and there's Father Dan, and he's speaking because he's one of the founders of that, you know. And it's just... Mm-hmm. The, I don't think I've been to a Catholic event that Father Dan is not at. He, it's, it's a, I mean, such a passionate man about helping others, and so it's a great inspiration to me. I know he has been for my life, so. Yeah. And, and he's uh, heard that many times from me. <laughs> yes. I, well, I, I remember he one time gave me a book that he had put together mm-hmm. uh, about all the Irish priests in the diocese, mm-hmm. going going way I'm back. He's forever writing a book about something, and um, he just wants to share. Yeah. So, yeah, he's yeah. a gr- great man. So, so what else? What else do you have planned? What else are we planning? Um, yeah. We are planning. We always celebrate pairs because um, we want to make sure that we appreciate the sacrifices that they make to send their kids to Catholic school. Which mm-hmm. for many people, it's a sacrifice to send their kids to Catholic school. So, so um, we were talking about how this year could be so different because. Um, you know, in years past, we've had the last few years, we you know, no parents on campus, and so so this year we were really uh, focusing on um, how can we celebrate having them actually be there to celebrate them rather than them just driving through and us uh, celebrating them. So um, so we're gonna invite them back on campus, let them you know see all the wonderful things that we're doing. We always give them a gift and treat them in the morning to coffee and uh, and some something nice and uh, just get a chance to talk with them. So that's always a wonderful day to celebrate them. Of course, we celebrate the students, and that's always that fun pajama day where the kids come in and we watch a movie and just have popcorn and have a great time. They get to be with their uh, faith families, with mm-hmm. their buddies. So um, just anything this I mean, I just sent out our November... Uh, newsletter with uh, a little, a couple paragraphs for me, and and just re- reflecting on the calendar year of of last year, and just the the faith opportunities and the family opportunities, two of which are our pillars, and just how we've been able to bring back old traditions and start new ones, and um, I think we've talked about before just how much participation there has been, and and that. The, you know, the community piece for these kids really helped them to, to stay, uh, I don't even know what the right word would be, but to, to keep them balanced, I guess, in the last few years. And so it's just been a joy to have these events and be able to share in community. So, so have you put uh, COVID so far in the rearview mirror that you can't even see it anymore? Or are some of the things that we did during COVID have just become standard practice now? I think we talked about this a little bit yeah. before, but yes, I mean, it's become ingrained and, um, you know, there's a few people that don't like it, but we've tried to come to a good balance. And I think now understand why we do it. It's, it's just quick and efficient and safe for the kids. And, um, you know, not too many things have we kept around, but the things that make sense mm-hmm. um, and a lot of it, didn't make sense when you can't be together and you can't do things together yeah. that that's you know really too bad for for everyone well, so, it's so much um, a part of school you know oh, that that yes. it's it's not you know uh, you, you always hear about reading writing arithmetic and uh you know what about recess and lunch and getting to know your friends and teachers mm-hmm. and extracurriculars student government sports all all these things that go into that socialization and uh, the, the, the learning how to get along with people that go way beyond the three R's. Right. Well, I think a beautiful thing for us was that we never dropped any of those things. We had to mm-hmm. do them differently, but we never dropped them. Right. Um, for the kids' sake. And that was wonderful. I mean, even events like field day, the year that, that we were completely shut down, the end of the year, one of the traditions at many Catholic schools is field day. You know, you get together, you celebrate, you have fun outside. So we reinvented that and had a field day 
on Zoom. It was different. We had mm-hmm. games going on, and the kids were in different breakout sessions, but we never canceled anything. We just reinvented it. Um, and so, you know, some of those things have held on as well, but um, but we've been we've gotten back to, I think, pretty much where where we were. So it's it's a really good feeling today. Um, you know, just celebrating in, in different ways in classrooms. You know, with parents being there. So. So as as you as you look to the future, and we we know that during COVID, uh, you, you've sometimes a lot of our schools picked up some students because people wanted mm-hmm. back that in person learning. I know we discussed this as well, mm-hmm. um, and and then a lot of those kids stuck around. They did, a, a lot of them, and 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 I think we said this too that it, they are the first ones to those community events. They're they it's. It's just a newfound appreciation for, um, you know, small school feel and, uh, and and I hope a way to get back to that community church that mm-hmm. we had so, so many years ago where yep. everybody helped each other. I think it's a small version of that in Catholic school, um, especially because our church is so large. Um, yeah. We have 5,000 registered families. Wow. <laughs> yeah. It's it's amazingly large, um, but we're really working to make small communities out of it, and mm-hmm. so I, I think that's that's a good thing as well. I mean, I don't know how many of those families have actually come back since COVID, but um, but again, if you go to the school setting, everybody is just so happy to be back, and and what we do, I think, is working. I got a a, a note from our. I don't know if she's president or chair of our St. Vincent de Paul at the um, Our kids go and volunteer, and they did. They went and volunteered still all through COVID. And um, she, in the note that she sent, she said the kids, and, and I believe this throughout Catholic schools, are the gold standard of today's youth. Mm. And I just thought, what a beautiful thing to say. Wow, that's phenomenal. That's mm-hmm. wonderful. You know, Because what? I think because they are well-rounded. Yep. You know, we have, uh, there's a, we were talking with Julie Sly from, from the Catholic Herald uh, mm-hmm. the other day, and uh, we got the, uh, the proof, the proofs that haven't been published yet, but and, uh, one of the stories in the January, February uh, Catholic Herald that is now out um, is, oh, I think we've, I think we've, I think we've lost Marcy um, somehow there, so I will continue the story shortly. Let me remind you again as we get uh, as we get uh, Marcy back on. Uh, World Marriage Day 2023 is coming up Saturday, February 11, uh, 9.30 a.m. That's a Saturday, 9.30 a.m. Holy Mass with Bishop Soto, uh, all at Good Shepherd Catholic Church, 9539 Racket Court in Elk Grove. Uh, you can go to scd.org backslash WMD world uh, for um, World Marriage Day. And uh, they'd, they'd like you to sign up ahead of time so they know uh, how to bring refreshments, et cetera. And uh, you give the, uh, the office a call at 916-733-0133. That's 916-733-0133. Uh, so, much, so much happening uh, throughout, throughout the diocese as we... Uh, move into the new year and uh, I'm looking at this wonderful um, flyer about all of our, our great seminarians for 2022-2023 the ones at St. Patrick's uh, in Menlo Park, Benjamin Condon even uh, Ivan uh, Franco Martin, Victor Gornov, uh, Matthew Grom, Grimm, uh, Eric Patrick and Scott Whitaker at uh, Mount Angel Seminary, Victor Amador Edgar Lozano Cuevas, Alejandro Marquez, Zachary Strum, Zachary Sturm, and and Ralph Trunke. So uh, say a prayer for all of our great seminarians here in the Diocese of Sacramento. Marcy Green uh, rejoins us. Uh, did we have an emergency in the principal's office? <laughs> I, I honestly don't know what happened. I'm sorry that we got disconnected. I know we were talking about Julie, and yes, then uh, there all is of a sudden a... it beeped and went away. So. Yes. 
Well, there's no a, emergency here. Thank no goodness. emergency. That was probably here. You know, it's. I I remember one time when I was uh, doing a nighttime talk show at KFBK, and even though that's a big time station, fifty thousand watts, when you're on at nine to midnight, you are alone in that studio, and mm-hmm. and all of a sudden. They've got a big yellow light in the ceiling, and it went off, and sirens started going off. And I'm thought, oh my gosh, what's <laughs> nuclear attack? What what has happened here? <laughs> and and uh, uh, then the phone rings, and uh, it was uh, you know the the chief engineer or something, and he says, you're off the air. That that when when you, you got knocked off the air by a lightning strike, and 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 that's what happens when you go off the air. That alerts you that you're off the air. I said nobody told me during training. <laughs> I thought I had pushed the wrong button. <laughs> so anyway, um, anyway, the, the Herald will have a story about. Oh, it's already. I mean, I'm looking at it, but it, it and it's probably just arrived in mailboxes throughout the diocese. I have watched this little boy across the street, directly across the street, in just a, a, a quiet neighborhood, and from the time he was born, his name's Ricky, and. During COVID, as he got to be, he's now eight years old, but during COVID, you know, he was, they tried homeschooling for a while and just things just weren't working out. They, they, the one school, the public school they tried to put him in was, was overflowing. And of course, public schools have to educate him somewhere. And the school he got assigned to was really not convenient. And the family, uh, even St. James was full. But they called him a few days later and said, we've got a spot for Ricky. And the family not Catholic. And Ricky, at about, oh, I, I'm guessing it was about six months ago, we noticed a lot of traffic on our street. Um, and it's a, it's a small, yeah. quiet street. And so when there's a lot of cars there, you know, something's happening. You know, somebody's visiting or something's happening. And I talked to Ricky's grandfather and said, what's going on? And he says, Ricky's getting baptized today into the Catholic Church. And he just fell in love with the church from attending school at St. James. And the family's just as pleased as can be. And they have two more children younger than Ricky now. Uh, And and, uh, the mom, Chelsea, she says... um, I, she says, I'm, I'm getting used to the idea that I'm probably going to be raising three Catholic children. <laughs> so, Fantastic. Yeah, and so they're, they're probably all going to go to St. James. It's just a great story, just a real heartwarming story uh, about this little boy and, and how he fell in love with the Catholic faith. I can't wait to read it. Yeah. And, yeah. and then, of course, then you have conversion of parents as well. Yep. And, and we see that in our CIA. I think it's, it's wonderful, and I think there's something to be said for when you have a well-rounded education, <clears throat> you're giving to others. <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> you're giving to others. You feel good about yourself, and raises your self-esteem. And then you understand why. When God, Absolutely. <coughs> excuse me. When God's in your life, so. Marcy, tell us a, a little bit about uh, uh, <laughs> the public service that your students do there at uh, Saint Elizabeth Ann Seton. Oh my goodness! It goes. Um, there's so much of it. Of course, we do. Um, it, it expands a lot because <clears throat> not only do they do it because it is required in their religion class, um, but there's many opportunities that come up for them to do. And so a lot of it is, um, uh, you know, organic through the school. We, on Monday mornings, the, there is a group at our church, um, Works of Mercy, and, um, and our kids every Monday morning make sandwiches and pack lunches for the Works of Mercy group to go and take out to the homeless. So right at school, they have that opportunity. At school, they also have the opportunity to go over and work with St. Vincent de Paul. And I think from that, it grows, and they, they have that good feeling. They do um, events um, by class. They do events by um, grade bands, so the middle school will go out um, and do a day of sorting maybe at the food bank or um, we haven't been able to do that as much for everything now that everything's coming out of COVID. We can, we can do that more. But then the kids get really creative um, on their own, making blankets, 
Um, some of them go and work at Project Ride, which is here in Elk Grove. Um, and, um, and they just they find opportunities not only um, from their own interests, but from um, maybe groups that they're involved with or uh, family members that are involved with things. Um, we have the big um, reason that they're involved with Project Ride is we have um, one of our um, teachers whose daughter um, goes to Project Ride, and then they've met, we have other students who have brothers and sisters that, um, that utilize that, and that is an equestrian group that helps with um, students with special needs. Hmm. And so um, they have Friday nights where everybody gets together. We have a lot of our students that will just help volunteer with events that they need to have um, served. And um, we have a wonderful woman, uh, Vicki Moore, who works um, through our church who in Elk Grove. She's known um, as a teacher who, you know, uh, helps in big events and gathers kids that will come and help um, in fundraising organizations to serve food or to um, to just clean up or to do things that need to, to happen. So, I mean, a lot of community outreach and, um, and then, like I said, just a lot of things that the kids have a special interest in. We've got two groups of kids um, going out to nursing homes next week. So, um, you know, what, what, whatever they can do. Sometimes they're limited by their age. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we've got just a lot of families that, that will go out as a family group. And um, I think that's the best way to do it. Oh, um, yeah, absolutely. Uh-huh. You know, it's, it, uh, we've, we talk about... All, all the things you can do as a family. I know uh, when the Sacramento Food Bank has their turkey drive at Thanksgiving, you know, and, and we talk about, you know, <laughs> take the kids to the grocery store and and talk about what you're doing there as you put the canned sweet potatoes and the frozen turkey into your basket. And 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 it's amazing how kids will get, oh, well, maybe they need this. And maybe and they, they start actually imagining this family that is going to get this food. We, um, one of our teachers just showed me a picture today of one of, of her daughter who was at home in the living room. We did a canned food drive, and she went through and sorted all of the food by vegetables or other canned hmm. foods and then sorted all the vegetables by type so that oh, wow. when, they got to, um, when they got to where they were going that they didn't have to do it there. So I thought oh. that was pretty wonderful. That's, that's, that's great. That's... And, um, and the food bank. So going to St. Joseph's and being mm-hmm. involved with Father Dan, I remember many years cooking turkeys because the yeah. turkeys needed to be cooked and then brought in. And so that was another fun way to, as a family, be able to, to actually cook the food and bring it in. So. Yeah, yeah. and, and St. Joseph's has always had that great food bank there. Mm-hmm. Which doesn't get a lot of publicity, but it, it sure has a lot of people well, that it helps. Well, this was in the days when we were helping support the Sacramento Food Bank right. when Father right. Dan was still there. So, yeah. Yeah. Yep. What, what it, you know, so many great parishes aren't there in, in the diocese. Mm-hmm. That one. Everybody wants to do something for other people, yep. and I think that's, that's what makes it a wonderful world. Yeah, it really, really, really does. Well, Marcy, we're up against the clock here, and I greatly appreciate you taking the time to be with us. Thanks for all the great work you do there at St. Elizabeth Ann Seton and throughout the diocese because it, it's like the ripple in the pond, you know, it, mm-hmm. you, the, the goodwill there spreads everywhere. And uh, please give that wonderful husband of yours a, a big hug from me. I will. We're both very blessed to be able to do what we do. So thank you so much for having me on. Thanks, and uh, best wishes for the just a marvelous 2023 for you and your family and all your students. Thank you. To you as well. Thanks, Marcy. That's uh, Marcy Green, who is the uh, principal at St. Elizabeth Ann Seton in the great city of Elk Grove. That's going to do it for us for today. Thanks for listening. God bless everyone. This portion of the Bishop's Hour is brought to you by a grant from the Mercy Foundation, enriching lives in the Sacramento region through Sisters of Mercy Ministries in healthcare, education, housing, and the care for the poor and elderly. For the Mercy Foundation, philanthropy is one of the most powerful expressions of compassion and love. Just as many people in our community need a hand, countless others are reaching out to them with comfort and hope. You can express your care and concern for the less fortunate with a gift to the Mercy Foundation. Uh, You can give them a call, 916-851-2000.
2700. And you can be confident that fully 100% of your contribution will support the Sisters of Ministry of Mercy Ministry or Ministries that you choose. And what a wonderful treasure Easter's Catholic Books and Gifts has been for all of us here in the diocese as they uh, uh, transition uh, into uh, uh, new ownership and management. Uh, they continue to offer wonderful workshops, wonderful uh, uh, resources for the Catholic community throughout the Diocese of Sacramento. Not only does Easter's provide a wide array of Catholic books, both current releases and longtime classics, but they also sponsor a number of valuable workshops and lectures throughout the year. They're, they're located at 6916 Sunrise Boulevard in Citrus Heights. Give them a call, 916-338-7272. We also receive a generous underwriting support by Crumley & Associates, a private wealth advisory practice, of Ameriprise Financial Services. If you have questions about retirement, Crumley and Associates can help you with their confident retirement approach that can help define a clear roadmap to get you where you want to go. You can uh, contact them, get all the details at Crumley and Associates, 7956 California Avenue in Fair Oaks. They're at 916-638-4600. That's 916-638-4600. Zero, zero. And we uh, are, are certainly uh, appreciative of the uh, fine and uh, longstanding support of the Mercy Foundation, of Easter's Catholic Books and Gifts, and of Crumley and Associates. We'd like to thank all the wonderful people and organizations, uh, businesses in town uh, and throughout the Diocese of Sacramento, who have provided underwriting for the Bishop's Hour, uh, some in the last few years, some uh, have been with us for a very long time. If you would like to be an underwriter for the Bishop's Radio Hour, uh, it's a wonderful opportunity to to support this mission and also to support the diocese and also uh, to get some uh, recognition for uh, your organization or for your business. The easiest way to do this is to uh, give us a shout, send us an email, radio at scd.org, and we can give you all the details about uh, helping to underwrite the Bishop's Radio Hour. Again, that's radio at scd.org. Speed. 